where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. There's a pretty popular icebreaker called Two Truths and a Lie, where when you're meeting people for the first time or if you're trying to get to know them a little bit better, everybody writes down on a piece of paper two things about themselves that are true and one thing that is not true, and the group is supposed to guess which one is not true. So, spoiler alert, my lie is always, I ran my first marathon when I was, and then I make up a number. I've never ran a marathon. (laughs) But people believe that I have, because, you know, I have that sporty look. (laughs) And, you know, I have been seen running. It's an exercise of last resort, so I can do it, but I'm not saying I can do a marathon. Um, but it's one of those things that I've just, sometimes I look at people who do it, I say, where does that desire come from? Um, it's foreign to me. Maybe foreign to you too, just like even running may be foreign to you. Uh, the desire to run a marathon is something that has never uh, come from within. But I think that the metaphor of running a marathon does speak well to the journey of life, the journey of grief, and the communion of saints, or the great cloud of witnesses uh, that our scripture talks about today. So we're taking running to an extreme. We're going to think about running this race as a marathon. So one of the ways to look at the journey of life is to consider it as preparation and training, which is a really critical piece of running a marathon. Developing healthy habits for well-being. You have to get out and run to train for a marathon. Different distances, different splits, different times. So movement is a piece of this healthy habit. Most of the activities that are a part of your life during this extensive training period have to do with the race that you're preparing for, the type of terrain. But in life... Because we're only using a marathon as a metaphor, we have to think about the activities in a different way. What are the activities that are life-giving in your day-to-day world? Is it being part of the choir? Is it being part of Meals on Wheels? Is it volunteering at a school? Is it the book club that you're a part of? or prayer shawl ministries? What are those activities that keep you focused on healthy practices and healthy relationships? Because relationships are key in the journey of life. Marathoners will often have a running buddy or a group that they check in with. Who are your friends? What are the relationships that you spend time nurturing? and nourishing. Nutrition and rest are also important. Eating well, making sure you have time for rest. The journey of life at any moment 
can turn into a journey of grief. Where preparation and training turns into race day in an instant. All of a sudden, and sometimes without warning, your race has begun. The test of 26.2 miles, which is a journey of grief. And let's remember that grief is not just something that follows death, death of a person. It's also something that can arise with a change of health, a change of job, a change of relationship. Grief is anything that leads to a feeling of affliction or burden or or heaviness, making heavy. In the scripture passage, the letter to the Hebrews, it's not really a letter, but it's called the letter to the Hebrews, the community was struggling. They were grieving. They were burdened. And what burdened them was the demands of Christian life. You know, that love thing, trying to take it seriously. Not easy. And so the words of Scripture today were meant as words of encouragement. Run the race that is set before you with perseverance, with Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one who withstood shame and endured so that he could receive the rewards of joy that awaited him at the end of the race. I added that last part. The idea of faith is presented in this letter as the courage to endure. In other words, it's really hard, but it's worth it. Stay with it. Winston Churchill probably said it a really long time ago and maybe even said it first, but Rodney Atkins, the country singer, said it best, I think, when he sang, if you're going through hell, keep on going. That's a biblical word, so parents, you can teach that to your children later. In other words, you can get through this. Others have gotten through it before you. You can get through this. And having said that, let's be clear that grief is not predictable. You can study the terrain of a marathon, but once you're on that road and going from start to finish, it's going to feel new. Even if you've run parts of it in sections, even if you're running the same route again for the second time, it's going to feel different in your body. It's unpredictable, and each person feels it differently. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who's well-known for her book on, uh, on death and dying, also wrote a book with John Kessler on grief and grieving. And this is what they say. This is a long way of saying it's going to be a new normal. I know that phrase has become very commonplace. But this is, gives it a little more flesh. The reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal, and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. 
don't talk about this much. But I'm going to share with you today one of my marathons. And I was 28 years old, and my mother died. And then within 14 months, my father died. And then within two years, my brother died. It was devastating. I was depressed. I don't think I could have gotten any lower. At the same time, I was studying Christian spirituality at Creighton University. Another layer of why that was such an important time in my life, for those of you who are hearing my story. And I have to tell you that those words that I read, the contemplatives and of Scripture, literally saved my life. But it didn't happen just on that road. You see, it happened all the years earlier when I was probably strongly encouraged to go to church, i.e., it's what we do here. So it was that early formation, that early training, that early preparation where I had heard the stories before, where I had seen a Bible, where I had read from the Bible, where I had sang the songs, that now as a late 20-year-old person, I was going back to them at about mile 20 in a marathon, which I've been told is where you often hit the wall. How many of you have turned back to scripture or to song or to a faith community after you've experienced a devastating loss? Some people are inclined to stay away, and I don't understand that. Let me say that differently. I do understand it. But when you do come back, you're surrounded by people who know. And you're surrounded by people who have also been through it. And you don't have to say much. But you can if you want to. That's the gift of community and that's the gift of church. And we learn that through the stories of our faith, that grief doesn't mean the end of connection. That's the best news of all of Scripture, is that there's life beyond death. And that the connection doesn't end. It changes drastically. But it doesn't end. Because I've heard about this last point two of the 20, am I saying this right, 26.2 miles? Yeah. The last point two, apparently, is the easiest part. Lots of fans. Lots of people cheering you on. It's like the finish line is in sight and you can see it. And you feel encouraged as you go through. That's what the communion of saints is. It's not just people who have gone before us through death. It's people who are also living. And it's the combination of the both. Because I can tell you from my experience that through the communion of saints, of people who have gone before me, that I have heard words of encouragement and direction, words of permission, words of reconciliation, and I've experienced a release of burdens by being in conversation with the communion of saints. This is part of our faith tradition. These are the people that say you can do it. And if you had gone to the celebration downtown 
yesterday. The Dia de los Huertos, the Day of the Dead celebration. It's a wonderful and beautiful example of the communion of saints. Communion of saints is not dedicated to one day. But even dedicating it to one day would probably be an increase for many people. Give yourself permission on this day to be in conversation with those who have gone before you. I loved at one of the booths yesterday, they had a piece of paper that encouraged you to write a message to your loved one. It is through writing and journaling and speaking out loud that we engage in the healing process of grief. I encourage you to do that. Part of the Dia de los Huertos is that there's a belief that the loved ones awake and they travel from the spirit world and they celebrate with the living. It's beautiful. There's beautiful symbolism of an arch of coming through the spirit world, through that arch. And there's flowers. Marigolds is the traditional flower because it's a pungent flower, as if the spirits need to be guided by a scent. There's also candles. You'll remember in the Christian tradition, we light candles to light the way for people. Same thing in this celebration of the Day of the Dead, the sim- the Candles make a cross so that it covers all four directions, whichever one they'll come from. There's something called an ofrenda, which is a temporary altar, which holds these things, the candles, the flowers, pictures, sometimes favorite foods. One of the common foods is bread. And these temporary altars become a banquet table and a place to gather. It's not a celebration of death. It's a celebration of life. Friends, as you go from this place to run the race that has been set before each of you, take from here the thing that you need not least of which is the knowledge that you do not run your race alone, and that even when we are separated, we are connected. And be grounded in the words that grounded us at the beginning, that when Jesus prepared to say goodbye to his friends, he said to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I do not give as the world gives. Therefore, be not afraid. Go in peace.